We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Doom Watch episode, The Battery People, which I'm just going to say right now had nothing to do with electric people that had been turned into monsters, which is what I was expecting. Ditto. Men, poorly outfitted in protective gear, are working a fish farm, injecting the fish with hypodermic needles, as you do, when a fight breaks out between the foreman and one of his workers. It seems to be all about thumping their chests and proving who is the most manly. The fight is broken up when the colonel, plant owner, arrives and fires the troublemaker. He tells the foreman that their local MP has just been made Minister of National Security and that a visit may be in the offing. He also reminds the foreman that all the men are to be wearing protective gloves, which they aren't. But they immediately put them on, just long enough for the colonel to leave the room. As this is Doomwatch, the viewer is left in no doubt that the fate of these men isn't promising. The new Minister of National Security is on Quist's mind, too. As Quist's new superior, he has called a meeting. And Quist realizes that Doomwatch has a negative perception. They don't do things, they prevent things. One could say they hold back progress. Quist concocts the idea that Doomwatch should come up with a series of positive programs to propose to the minister to show that they aren't all about breaking things. He asks Toby Wren to come up with some ideas that might be pitched. Ideas that could impact the minister's local constituency. But it turns out to be the typical, you guys are a bunch of negative Nellies, spoiling everything and antagonizing things, lay low on my watch kind of meeting. Quist returns to Doomwatch and declares that they will not lay low. Toby's brilliant plans go out the window, but not before some curious data has come out of the computer. One of the valleys in the minister's local constituency has the highest incidence of divorce in Great Britain. That's curious. So too is the fact that it has a very high incidence of drunkenness. And not what you'd expect. A bunch of old coal miners drinking beer down at the pub. Oh no, their poison of choice is a very un-Welsh miner-like gin, which is not very manly of them at all. And that there have been incidents of cockfighting, which strikes Quist as very odd indeed. Sure, he can imagine English people doing that, but not the Welsh. Cockfighting is all about a sexual frenzy. Naive me up till this point in my life, I always thought cockfighting meant roosters. Ridge puts it indelicately. Imagine a bunch of burly Welsh miners daintily sipping gin, giving their wives the cold shoulder, and watching cockfighting. Quist thinks it sounds like a job for Doomwatch, and sends Ridge in undercover as a reporter to find out what's going on. First, Ridge visits the cockfights, which he finds quite disturbing. Also, it turns out that cockfighting really is about roosters, and if that's what gets people into a sexual frenzy, the last remaining dregs of my faith in humanity has just got poured down a urinal. Colonel Smithson is very helpful with Ridge's inquiries. He wants the publicity. His farm is basically a standard battery farm for chicken and turkey, and he's happy to show it off. All but a couple of trade secret areas, that is, which include the fish we saw previously. Ridge tours the facility and is disturbed by what he sees. Oh, not that there's anything wrong, just that battery farming is an unpleasant business. Back at Doomwatch, the computer has turned up something interesting. Colonel Smithson, when he was in the military, was assigned to a project involving secret chemical weapons. 
One of those weapons would chemically dissolve the bones of an enemy. It was abandoned due to problems with the health of the workers on the project. Specifically, chemical castration resulted. That night, Ridge is not so keen on eating chicken or turkey, but luckily Smithson has provided one of his new fish products for Ridge to try. It's called Taste Away Trout, and amazingly, it has no bones. Unaware of the information about the chemical weapons, Ridge eats the fish, but has the presence of mind to break into the kitchen and secure a sample to send back to Doomwatch for analysis. The next day, he visits the quite attractive ex-wife of the foreman. They're divorced because he couldn't, uh satisfy her urges anymore, and she took a looking for it elsewhere. She makes it quite clear to Ridge that he could satisfy her urges right now, if he'd like. Amazingly, he wouldn't like and leaves. Quist approaches the minister and requests a formal inquiry. The minister is reluctant, but takes Quist to see Colonel Smithson to confront him. Smithson denies everything, but also refuses to touch the fish in the same fashion as his workers. The minister, to his credit, realizes that Smithson is aware of the problem and hiding it, and authorizes the inquiry. The foreman overhears the conversation and realizes that he and the boys have been castrated, and the colonel knew about it. He surreptitiously trips the colonel, who falls into the fish vat. Quist is convinced the submersion will be fatal, and he saw the foreman trip Smithson. Quist covers for the murderer, and also posits that even the colonel would probably agree that when all the men in the farm find out what he'd done to them, dying was now his best option. The battery people. Well, another optimistic look. Ugh. Wow. This uh, was not what I expected. No, not what I expected either. And there were a couple of scenes that I was right there with Ridge. I was like, I, I wanted to turn away. Yeah. Yeah, um, and made me wonder if this if, if if this was some sort of like um, um, a statement. I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me, I got to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like you were throwing up. Like, <laughs> I know. So we'll leave it in. No, it no was kidding. A sneeze. It was a sneeze. I swear. Uh, but no, uh, watching the way the chickens get prepared like that. I mean, it was. I found it highly disturbing. Oh, it was horrific. It's I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a classic case of ignorance is bliss. You know, I eat chicken all the time, but I don't want to know how it gets prepared. Now yeah, I know. I, know. Um, I, I think what we can say, though, is that that was 1970 uh, Britain. And now chickens are running free and happy on fields of grass with little daisies and flowers. Uh, and they live a, a very fulfilling life before they're culled for cooking. And you just you just keep telling yourself that. And remind yourself of how tasty it is. Um, yeah, I I did kind of wonder if this was. Um, I mean, obviously, there's it's meant to be a little bit of uh, uh, commentary on how awful uh, battery farming is, right? And yet, you know, all the problems really have to do with fish farming, the the doomwash aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The battery farming is totally on the up and up. Everything's fine. In fact, his system's more humane than most farms, according to his. Uh, According to his metrics, and I don't, you know, don't doubt it. We give him uh, 50% more space than a chicken is required. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it doesn't make me, it does not make me want to turn vegan. No. Because, you know, I, I, I like tasty chicken. and mm -hmm. <clears throat> But at it, the same time, I can't unsee what I saw. No, and I'm sure that that was sanitized to some degree. Oh, I'm sure it was. I don't doubt it. So, yeah, it's... <clears throat> uh, I, you know, and we could take a look at it uh, from a different angle. Um, Doomwatch is about, hey, you know, dangers of future technology and the world that it might create. 
but you could argue that this is just a, here's one that we already did, and you probably didn't realize that this is how we made the world a horrible place mm. kind of thing. Because, it, you know, it fits, I think, with the mindset of the, the authors. Um, you know, I, I didn't notice who wrote this one. Um, maybe I should have. Uh, I didn't catch it. But it's. I not mean, I saw it, but it it it, no, it it didn't register with me. You know, I my understanding is that, um, and and nowhere near in this category. But the Doctor Who episode, the two Doctors, yeah, Colin Baker and and the Andrigums and whatnot. That was made after Robert Holmes had become a vegetarian. Really, and, and he was he was making a point. Hmm. He was you know the whole killing and tenderizing and zapping them and all that stuff. That was um, that was intentional. Um, you know, never let it be said that these shows aren't necessarily political. But uh, right, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> we just have to just gonna have to soldier on and uh, and not get a job in a chicken factory. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Rather go down the coal mines, I think. But mm. yeah. Um, let's see. I I, I don't. I, my first note here probably should be my last note, but I, I'll go with it to open anyway. Um, what is the connection? Is there a connection? Are we supposed to draw any connection between the research that the military was doing into creating a weapon that removes bones from the enemy? Which, let's just go there. Dumbest idea for a weapon ever. <laughs> it is pretty pretty weird. I mean, um... You can't yeah, find I don't, a better I don't, way I to kill people than that. Yeah, that, that, I, I didn't know what to think about that as, as a military weapon. Uh... Obviously, it, I, I would be inclined to think that it didn't get much funding. It didn't get much development because we don't hear about it being ever used. Well, yeah, obviously, if they said it failed because of the high incidence of uh, health problems with the uh, with the workers that were on the factory, which implies that they, too, were also going sterile and didn't like it, um, mm. which seems fair. But, okay, so one, it's a stupid... Oh, here's my point. It's a stupid idea. If somebody was just going to be sitting around a writer coming up with ideas of what kind of weapons we could do. Yeah, how about a sonic weapon that incapacitates an enemy? You want something that's going to incapacitate the enemy, right? right? Kill them or incapacitate them. But really, if if you made their bones dissolve, they just, like, would they be flopping around on the pavement? And then wouldn't you... You'd still have to go kill them, wouldn't you? Or you'd have to yeah. take care of them. So I mean, it, it just it just seems... You'd like have really to bad kill idea. them because that's... I, I can't even... I mean, well, that's torture. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's got to be against the Geneva Convention. So you ask yourself of all the bazillion ways that you could come up with that you might think to use as a super weapon as a writer, you know, all the things that you could think of. This guy came up with, they lose their bones. All the bones. Now, I'm just going to ask this question. How does that tie with the fact that it makes these people sterile? And is it I to didn't do with want the word to go there. erect? Bone. Oh, I was going to say bone, but <laughs> they they can't, you know, you didn't have any bones, you couldn't stand erect, or if you're impotent, you couldn't be. No, you know, I will simply say this. None of that was lost on me. I chose not to even consider it any further. <laughs> because it felt like it was an extremely poor taste. It was. It's just like the But how can fighting. you how can you not think of I know I mean, really? How can you not think about it? I gotta say, I, mean, I was I, probably five minutes after the episode was over before it hit me on that one. I'm like, oh really? Oh, oh I got it early. I got it right when it was happening. <laughs> I, it, I it, didn't. It, it, uh, yeah, it clicked really, really early with me. And I, th- I was then the still. Qu- go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, the question now becomes, uh, I, I don't know what the writers were thinking when they did this. Uh, and in terms of, you know, I, I would love to talk to somebody who actually watched it when it first aired. I mean, I don't know if any, you know, I don't know who that would be if anybody is still alive. But I'm sure what, there's some people alive from 1970, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, who watched that the first time it was, uh, you know, mm. when it aired. I'd like to know, you know, what was their take on it at the time? Did did they get the, the, the innuendos? Like 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 we were getting. I don't know. I mean, we're we're a slightly different, more savvy culture today than perhaps or back sheltered. then. <laughs> mm. Or I. So I mean, I, I I would joking in the the recap, but at the same time, when they got to the part about cockfighting, I when it was first mentioned about you know I said oh cockfighting I'm thinking oh roosters no no roosters roosters and then and then Swift goes oh yeah I watched that it was all about a sexual frenzy and suddenly my mind went it's like oops <laughs> oh I may have always thought cockfighting was something different than what I am getting out of this now and oh my <laughs> uh, and then we see the we see the roosters killing each other later on in a brutal and vicious fashion and i was relieved <laughs> yeah you start relieved. getting the, well you know then you start getting this waka waka wango you know kind of soundtrack in the background it's like yeah we need that uh, until i looked it up on urban dictionary and turns out you can have it both ways. Of um, course you can. Oh. <laughs> Duh. I knew that. Uh, well. But I'm gay. See, see maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I never thought of it as a weapon. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. It's a Ooh, toy. Boy. Oh, God. Oh, did I just boy, go there? <laughs> Let's just hands off on this one. <laughs> it's like. Hands uh, off. I, I went there. Nudge, <laughs> nudge, say no more. Wait, wait. I don't know. Uh. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one was a very, very uh, not American, right? Oh, I, heavens I, no. No, no way would that have been. No, this, aired. no, oh God, no. Puritanical network television, never. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It wouldn't <laughs> no. have even made it on PBS. Right, and I'm sure it never got, uh, I never got it. Um, okay, so while we're kind of in on this, I found... And, and this is looking back on it from you know, a 2019 perspective, um, straight white male 2019 perspective. I found a lot of the comments, particularly that Ridge made, when they're talking about men who are impotent, which is a problem that affects a lot of people out there, even mm-hmm. you know chemically castrated, I suppose. But there's an awful lot of what I would say gay stereotypes there, right? The 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 whole effeminate. Mm-hmm. The whole effeminate thing, the sipping the drinks, I and mean, the way he limp-wristed that when he was sipping his drink, and you know, it's like, like those are those are not those are two different things altogether. They're, they're not. Then yes, they're, they're, they're not, not linked. They're, no, but they're they not used to linked. be in the mind. They of, were. Yeah. Back at that time, this is this is definitely like that Mr. Humphreys kind of stereotype, or or it's just uh uh, so that makes this episode difficult to watch in that respect, not just the chickens being ripped apart, but it makes it kind of, you know, all of the things that these guys are doing. They're, they're getting into fights, right? They seem to be up on the aggression. Do, mm-hmm. do castrated men get more aggressive? I thought that was no, it's the opposite. not a thing. Exactly. Which, because you don't have that testosterone level going in, into your system, which mm-hmm. is linked to aggression and whatnot. But it, could it be compensation? Well, I don't feel like a man anymore, so now I'm going to beat you up so I can with my purse. 
Sorry. Oh, that's I just good. went that's there with point. a stereotype. But yeah, you did, didn't you? I did. I, I did, but intentionally. <laughs> intentionally to reflect this kind of show. But I mean, is is that what they're trying to do here? At one point, I thought the guy was going to try to rape his ex-wife. It seemed like that. He, he, I mean, he clearly was not asking for consent, but no, I thought he was going to go for something else. And I, I wasn't quite sure how far are these guys permanently castrated? The, oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it never got uh, never got addressed as to the permanency of, of this condition, um, because we, we really don't know how it is affecting those those hormone glands. And, you know, that part of the human, uh, the male anatomy, all we hear about is that it destroys, you know, it, it eats away at the bones of the skeletal structure. We know nothing about anything else. Of which there so, are no bones in that part of the anatomy. <laughs> thank you very much. Despite the fact that it's called a, bo- uh, never mind. Yeah. Um, in any case, that never got brought up. Not even by Quist. That never gets discussed. They simply say, oh, and they and they have this incident of being impotent great there's never any cor- uh, or correlation not correlation but there's never any discussion as to why that's the case so without discussing why they become this way there's you know it's it's kind of pointless to um to, to think about uh, is this a permanent situation or not we don't know what's actually causing it or, i mean or we don't know what's been affected precisely that would cause that condition now yeah i mean and we don't know how much Smithson knew. I mean, we I think we know for a fact that Smithson knew. Oh, yeah. Right? He absolutely knew. I mean, he only hired workers who were over 40, except when he didn't. The young guy, did, you, did the young guy yes, look like Yes, he looked like Weasley? Ronald Weasley. Yes, he did. <laughs> wow. I wonder if there's any really, I didn't look, but I wonder if that's like, you know, the grandfather of the actor who played Ron Weasley. <laughs> wow. You know, that's a good question. I mean, it's a small country. Yeah, and yeah we have to look it up. Families, I don't know. Yeah. But boy, he was really. I mean, I if I had seen, you know, just seen a picture of that guy, and without context of knowing it was a 1970 photograph, I'd have absolutely thought it was him mm. or just brother him, a little older. I mean, wow, it was it was very um, <clears throat> shocking, surprising. Mm-hmm. It's like when you see that picture of the guy in the photograph who looks like Nicolas Cage, only he's like a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah Cage. Exactly. All right. Um. No particular order. New minister. Now I don't. Uh, I, I don't know how often they tumble ministers in England, and maybe some of our English listeners can tell us. But you know, because I get all my knowledge about British government from yes minister. Mm-hmm. And yes, Prime Minister, um, blueprints of the British uh, Empire. And uh, I, you know, realize that people come and go in these jobs, just like cabinet secretaries come and go in jobs here in the United it's States. It's like the number two on the island in the village. Yeah. But the other time that a cabinet minister is pretty much guaranteed to change is when the parties in the House flip. Right. When you get a new majority, then... You know, probably the guy who was shadow minister becomes the minister and vice versa. And uh, I was wondering if there was any clue in this or any indication in this, whether this was a ministerial change because the previous minister has been an incompetent fool who's gotten caught up in a ton of stuff that Doomwatch has thwarted or because the government changed. Mm. And if it's the latter... Would you expect there to be a change in policy to the way they deal with Doomwatch? 
because we have to think realistically. We're talking there would, about the I would think there would be the Labor Party. Yeah, I would think there would be. I mean, that makes perfect sense. So is that why Quist is trying a little harder to get on his good side? Because it's like, oh, well, now we've got the other party in power, and you know, maybe they'll be reasonable about this. But especially if we're on, a, it's, yeah, especially if we're being very constructive instead of destructive. Yeah, and I and I I I loved that you know um, discussion of that 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 Quist knows that everyone on Doomwatch knows that what they do is adversarial. Mm-hmm. You know, they called it negative, but I'm going to say adversarial. I, I, you know, I worked for a government regulator for 20 plus years and you, you can have great relationships with the people you regulate, but at the same time, you are never in a position where you aren't the one watching the hen house, right? They, they're always aware that your job is to stop them from doing whatever it is they want to do. And that's part of the, it's just part and parcel of the job. And Doomwatch can't be anything else, right? They, they just, they just have to be the people that are going, whoa, wait, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can just castrate these people. Right. <laughs> I think, I think we got to put, we got to draw the line somewhere and chemical castration of your workers is, let's see. Oh, it's on that side of the line, <laughs> way on that side of the line. Um, but you know, he's, he's messed up. He's messed up the economy of that valley. Big time. He's put the their major business out of business, killed the owner, maybe, uh, unemployed all those people. I mean, they, he's done a lot of economic harm, or you could claim that he has done a lot of economic harm, but the reality is the fact that Smithson was doing something illegal is, is the cause. Mm-hmm. But it, it, never, it doesn't end up there, right? It ends up on the hands of the person that, that blew the whistle on it, that caught it, that, that called it out and upset the, upset the gravy train. Um, I, I like that. I mean, that's a, that's a realistic look at it. I mean, we, you know, we see Doomwatch. We're supposed to sympathize with Doomwatch. We're supposed to look at them, but they're the good guys. Well, we're looking at it purely from, uh, you know, almost like a microcosm or looking at it under a microscope. And yeah, we see them as the good guys because they're they're calling out all the bad scientists. You know, thank you, Mary Shelley. Um, But it's kind of it is kind of refreshing to actually see how their actions do have some sort of a, a fallout. Uh, and in this case, an economic fallout for every um, for that uh, that entire area of Wales. Uh, I mean, these are people you know they, they've now now they got an alternative to the coal mine, which was closed. So which was was closed, and they were all getting good wages. There was food that was being uh, made available to everybody there. I mean, it it really seems almost idyllic if you just look at it purely from the surface. You know, and I dare say had. Um, had there not been the whole bit with the fish, they probably could have gotten away with it. I mean, because as you said, I mean, when it came to the uh, handling the chicken, it was completely above board. Nothing there wrong. Was, there was something. There was a line somewhere in the course of this that made me think that they were treating the chickens as well, but that the results were much less dramatic. Hmm. That I, I, there was something like they had reduced amount of bones or something like that. But I oh yeah 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 that did come up. Yeah, I think it was Ren glossed says over that. so quickly that it just yeah Ren like, says it. So it, that was kind of that was kind of weird. And, and I think that that was one of the the red flags that made them want to say, okay, let's maybe we should take a closer look at what's going on here. Yeah, I think maybe it was. Would you want to get a chicken if it didn't have a drumstick in it? No. See. So although I mean, although I nuggets, do but, I, I get chicken tenders yeah but that's different 
Yeah. Had they even been invented yet? No. <laughs> I kind of wonder, actually. Huh. Hey, now. Hmm. Could we have been eating, you know, boneless chickens all this time? Possible. Oh, dear God. Would explain a lot. <laughs> okay. The minister. So we have his, you know, keep your nose clean, Quist. I want a quiet time on my thing. And then Quist comes in. is like, you got to do this. And, and he's... Yeah, Quist, I'm not putting up with this stuff from you. You're in you're in deep doo-doo. And he makes him go out there and check with Smithson. And as, pretty much as soon as Smithson refuses to put his hands in the chemical, the minister literally says to Quist, okay, you got your inquiry. You got your now, inquiry, yep. I think he, he, he was doing that to force him to force his hand. But, you know, it it was clearly, uh, clearly a revelation. Now, here's my question. In the past, every time Quist has come up to a minister, the minister and had something going and, you know, busts him. And then the next time he comes up, they're adversarial again. We have a new minister. First thing out, this is a horrific, horrific case that Doomwatch saved, you know, the, the saved the day on. Will the minister come out of this with an appreciation for Doomwatch? Damn it. Damn it. Quist was right. He, you know, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't think he will. I think there'll be some kind of, not an appreciation, but, you know, maybe a respect, but it's, it's gonna, I think it's going to be something along the lines of, oh God, Quist, what more bad news do I have to contend with today? You know, I, I mean, he, he acknowledges that what Quist is doing is right, but it's still a pain in the butt every time, yep. you know, he shows up. But wouldn't you rather have somebody doing that job that's good at it? Well, of course you would. But I mean, if, if Quist comes to me with this thing, he's not blowing a scare whistle. No, but keep, but keep in mind, works. the minute he's a politician, the minister is a politician, so he's he, he he likes everything. You know, I would imagine a politician likes everything to kind of go nice and smooth and going their way. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, it would just be I, I I just find it. This is one of the problems I have with I you know. We characterize politicians as idiots, okay? And and with good reason, we characterize politicians as idiots throughout the world, <laughs> mm. everywhere. But they aren't all complete idiots, right? They are working to some goal. Some of them are working towards their own ends to enrich themselves through corruption. Others are working towards what they think is a better world, and they may be right in their approach, and they may be wrong in their approach, right? But but they aren't just one-dimensional. Well, he's a minister; he's obviously an idiot. I, well, I would really like I would really like to see them come out of this with him going. You know, hey, Quist. Next time Quist calls him up, and I was like, I don't want to know what this is going to be, but I'd better listen because this could be important. That's well, what I'm, I'd like well, that's to hear. What, not well, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what we were going to get. Um, if we were to see that relationship. Uh, pursued I'm pretty sure that's what it was going to be it's like oh god I mean it's okay it's another headache but you know I respect what the man has to say and if he's calling me it's probably something very serious okay put him on I mean it's like acknowledging that Quiz knows what he's talking about but it's like at the same time I really wanted to have a quiet day without a headache from you Quist or is the reason we got a new minister because they want to show us that it doesn't matter whether Quist teaches this guy a lesson or not. He's going to be gone mm. soon. They're going to change another minister, and we start from square one every time. Or worse than square one, negative one, like they did here. I don't know. 
I, I, and I'm, I don't know whether we have the next episode in sequence or not, but with the scattershot missing episodes, it's hard to set up a, you know, will there be continuity in the next episode? I don't know. Um, probably not. Or they'll just be back to square one. Yeah. Um, Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm going to admit here, I'm not much of a drinker. What's up with gin? To be honest, I don't know. I'm not a gin drinker. I, I, I didn't realize that gin was considered apparently an effeminate drink. I didn't either. I thought it was hard liquor, and hard liquor is usually not what you consider effeminate drinks, unless, I don't know, it's not creamy monte or something. I, I, I mean, I really don't know. I, I did know that gin, um, you know, was quintessentially an English drink made out of turpentine or something. I mean, it's dreadful stuff. Um, but then I don't drink be, it, so I, I've, I have no clue whatsoever. It used um, to be known as Mother's Ruin. Uh, I might have had it as part of a drink, you know, mixed in with something else, like a mixed cocktail. But um, do they, let me see, does, um, oh, shoot. Um, I'm trying to think if I've had like a gin and tonic or something like that. I might have in the past. I believe gin, gin and tonic, it is one of the ingredients. That That's the limit of my bartending experience. I think gin and tonic has gin in it, yes. But. No, it's just, no, I'm, I'm thinking about, the, there's a type of drink, uh, and the, the, the name of it has gone right out of my head. It's served with an, usually with an olive. Martini? Martini. Martinis are either gin or vodka, I believe. Mm. Yes. Bond drinks vodka martinis. Okay, I Shaken, might have had gin martinis. Stirred. Anyway, uh, back in the day, back in the 17th, 18th century, uh, they were having some real problems with gin drinking because it was cheap, it was potent, and it was it was women, that's what they called it, mother's ruin for that reason. It was, a lot of women were addicted to this stuff, if, if addicted is the right word for alcohol uh, dependency. Um, but apparently, because I decided to look this up, uh, not only was it, uh, you know, the, the whole drinking thing causing problem, but apparently it also made men become impotent while women became sterile, causing the London birth rate to decline drastically. Hmm. Coincidence? Okay. <laughs> did they throw that? Did, would the audience in Britain have known that trivia, bit of trivia, assuming it's true, that in 1970 mm-hmm. and go maybe it's the gin drinking maybe they're drinking too much gin and they're not having their well it all depends on how widely reported it was i don't know well i mean it was 200 years prior so uh you know it's one of those one of those things that in the united states we just blush over but the british might i mean d- you know, did it get d- did it get discussed heavily in in certain cool. in certain uh, in certain history classes i don't know i well, mean the, ter- it, the term mother's ruin still remains to this day so Gin, there's there's a good some chance race memory of it yeah there's a good chance that it probably did get it was addressed uh, at some point or another during the school curriculum in the bartending classes <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah I don't know I just I'd never associated gin with an effeminate drink and I'm and I'm using the word effeminate because that's what Ridge was implying um, but it's anyway so well that's here's Ridge a, here's a here yeah. That, here's a disturbing piece of information for you. I was trying to find out if I could find any information about whether or not cockfighting with roosters was, in fact, a thing that people got their jollies off of. I have never heard that before. I mean, that is just sick and disturbing. I couldn't, I couldn't really find anything on that. Uh, I don't online. think. Th- I, I, I really don't think. I mean, not but, unless everybody watching it is into bestiality. But here is what I found that was ridiculous. 
ridiculously disturbing. Because the article, the first, one of the first articles I found was from, I think, the Washington Post in 1983. And at that time, it was still legal in seven United States, including oh, of Arizona. It was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it only got banned in 2007 by the time mm -hmm. in all the states. Yeah. And even now, not in U.S. territories. That's, I mean, wow. I, I don't understand humans. I know. I really don't understand humans. I know. Uh, we're, we're, we're a pretty depraved uh, species. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, Kimasabi. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay. And the other question is, why is cockfighting unheard of in Wales? But, you know, in the north of England, sure. <laughs> what kind of dig was that? Mm. When Quiz, I mean, I'm sure in the north of England, I could see him doing that. But in Wales? Yeah, I I caught that too, and I thought, what, what are you, what are you saying? What stereotype are we tapping into that we as Americans don't know? Mm, I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know, but it it just came off. I got a note here that battery farming is nasty. I think we've covered that well oh, enough. Oh, big time! It is. It's very nasty. Is Smithson the worst human ever on the face of the planet? <laughs> Man, that's a great question. Um. He certainly doesn't come off that way in the way he just, you know, relates to other people initially. I mean, we've seen much nastier individuals in past episodes, but if you want to say that he knew what was going on and there's every indication that he did, mm -hmm. um, that makes him pretty awful. Although he think... did keep telling them, wear your gloves. Yes, but the foreman... But he didn't really enforce it. The foreman did make a point of saying that, and, and I know this to be true, not not in that instance, but I've been, I've worked in industries where safety equipment is required, and you know the foreman tells you to wear the safety equipment, and or not the foreman, but the you know the the super job supervisor tells you to wear the safety equipment. But when the job supervisor is not on the site, the foreman lets it slide because you're more efficient without it, and it's kind of a known thing that you know that the supervisor knows you're not wearing it. It's plausible deniability, mm. right? Oh, hey, they're always wearing their safety equipment when I'm on the job site. So not my fault that they're not wearing their hard hats or whatever it happens to be. Um, I, I, and the foreman literally says that. Well, I mean, I figure he knew that we weren't wearing the gloves. I kind of think he does. I think he's given that a nod and a wink too, but I'm not, not 100% sure. Mm. But wow, he is... That is a nasty piece of work. I mean, to to knowingly to to which obviously he's hiring old guys because they're they're not they stand, interested in safety. Yeah, well, as I said, right? uh, as was said earlier, I mean, if they have this kind of problem, it's not going to really be noticed. Maybe, obviously, the foreman's wife, well, someone's the noticing guys it. Wives are noticing because it turns out forty isn't necessarily the end of the line for mm. you. I, I'm nope. told. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, let's see. So. John Ridge. Failure to launch Ridge. Was he just scared off by... I mean, everything we've ever seen about Ridge. That was a puzzlement for me, too. I really didn't... I was surprised, to be honest. I mean, I would have thought that he would have just uh, well, taken the I mean, bait. I mean, she's throwing herself at him. Yeah. And considering how he has been in the past, I would have figured, you know, he's, he's practically a lecherous man. He's 1960s level Bond. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, so I would have imagined him just jumping right at it. And there he is saying no, and he shows himself out. And I thought, wow, this is 
okay, you know, who, where, where is the real John Ridge, you know, and what alien pot planet did you come from? And his expression on his face, too. The, the, um, no, I, I, no, I'm just, I'll, 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 you know, it was that hesitancy. It's like, what are we drawing from that? That he finds himself repelled by her? Not repelled, maybe not the right word. I felt, words, I kind of got, or, I, I thought he kind of pitied her. Yeah, it was, and, and is it, did Quist lie to him? No, eating it's not going to cause any problems. I mean, why wouldn't it cause problems? Mm. You know, I mean, we, we saw Ridge be very unridge-like in a story about men being very unridge-like <clears throat> after eating the product that's being causing people to be very unridge-like. I, can you imagine what would have happened if that product had made it on the market? If that's what it was doing. If that's what it was doing, that's, you boy, the repercussions would have been horrible. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that that is, where is the FDA or whatever the British equivalent? The ministerial, the yeah, it's Doom the Ministry Patrol. of Drug, yeah, it's, it's Doom Patrol. It's Doom Watch, that's their job. Doom Patrol. Do, Doom Patrol. <laughs> Not Doom, Doom Watch. <laughs> too many different shows. But so, yes, it's, it's Doom Watch's job. They're the safety net. Yeah. So, and that's the other question is, yeah, Quist says, no, I couldn't have any effect on you. Is he lying just to make Ridge feel better? <laughs> or is he serious when he says, nah, I couldn't Well, they kept, have any. they did keep saying that um, if you, the fact that it was dead, you know, and it had been, it had been treated by the water and it was dead, made it harmless. I mean, we've heard, we hear that, I think, at least twice in the episode from two different sources. So I'm inclined to believe that is the truth. Okay. What actually, <laughs> how, how does this work? So they're swimming in a vat of stuff, which we have to presume is at least mostly water because they're fish and they have to live in it. They have to live in it, yeah. But the guys have to pick the fish out and give them these injections. Okay? Now mm-hmm. let's think about that for a second. Is the injection the anti-bone drug? And if so, then why is the putting your hand in the vat a problem is it because the fish pee it out <laughs> into their water hmm. and and how do you know which fish you've given the injection to yeah <laughs> uh oh that's mildred there <laughs> okay let's see now and they just know the fish by name or something otherwise unless you're marking them <laughs> which they didn't appear to be doing uh, were we absolutely sure that they were injecting them with the compound that caused the the dissolving of the bones no they were they were catching the fish and injecting with something but we don't something we don't know what it kind of gives the appearance you initially think that is the treatment but then immediately when they start talking about the water then it's like okay well maybe there's something weird about the water um Maybe, I don't know, it could have been just simple nutrients that they were just putting into the fish to make them more healthy. Or, or antibiotics. They were treating with antibiotics. This was the start. Wow. Doomwatch could have a whole thing on that whole antibiotic treatment in farm animals. Oh, too. wouldn't that be nice? Oh, yeah. Huh? Um, and then, so these guys are putting their hands in there. Fine. They've got, sometimes they've got cuts on their hands. There's kind of an implied that you have to have a cut on your hand for it to get in to cause the problems. Um... I don't know if that's true, but it's like eight weeks of exposure, and these guys are are impotent. And our Mr. Colonel Smithson falls in the vat and gets out. It gets into his he, lungs. <clears throat> Is that that implies the, it's fatal? Now it's fatal. Yeah, I think it's because he ingested it. It's not even fatal to the fish. They're swimming around in it. 
because they're fish. Well, it's going through their gills. It's going into their respiratory system or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, it's the same. It's the same effect. It's, it's it going did. Through. I okay. I I'm gonna. I will give you that. I thought that was very. Um, um, it, it felt very final for Quiz to say that. Um, it seemed like he was going to try out and even bother calling the ambulance. He's going to die. <laughs> he's going to die. I thought, really? I mean, he was only in there for just, you know, not even 30 seconds. And already you're pronouncing a death sentence on the guy? Felt kind of odd. And I got to tell you, if I fell in a vat like that, I don't think I'd take a lungful. I mean, you do know to close your mouth, not breathe when you're underwater. I mean, that's yeah. fairly, fairly common. I mean, he had enough time before he hit the water to... to to make that reaction. I thought that was kind of weird. So the foreman kills him. It's assuming that he's going to die. The foreman commits murder. He reaches up and he grabs him and dumps him into the vat. Yep, trips him right into the vat. Yep. Quist sees it, totally covers for it. Which was a little unusual. Very, very, yeah. I was like, I mean, and then his comment about, his comment about, I think even the colonel would agree that once these men find out what they've done to him, now would be a good time for an exit. That That's cold. It's pretty harsh. I mean, Quist has said some pretty dark things from time to time, um, which makes him just the perfect person to to run Doomwatch. But that was that was harsh, even for him. There is there is almost a, a, a hint here that, and and I don't know what in 1970 uh, the politics looked like in Great Britain about the death penalty, but I'm guessing that they still had it at that time. I know they don't now, but it wouldn't surprise me in 1970 if they didn't still have it and. And even if they didn't, there probably was still a portion of the population that were, you know, sympathetic to that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but Quist makes this sound like what he did to those men was worse than kill them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when he finds out what they did to him, it's time for him to die. Yeah. Like, when we find out how many people he murdered, it's time for him to die. You wouldn't actually say that. I mean, this is this is sort of like, I mean, yeah, they're dead, not dead, but in other words, yeah, the, the damage is done, but when they find out... Well, there is there is something very psychological about men who lose their manhood, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... it's um, Time to it's, buy a Porsche. <sighs> yeah. No, uh, I, I, I've heard stories about, you know, men who, you know, through accidents become impotent, and the what this does to their mental well-being is is very sad. Usually it puts them into a, 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 a bad depression, and usually that stems from the fact that, you know, it, it came about as a result of an accident. But to find out that someone deliberately set them up to, to develop this condition, I, I could see how that might piss, piss men off badly. What would, what would have happened if women had been doing this job? Hmm. I mean, could I don't you know. just solve the problem by hiring women instead? Possibly. The birth rate would have plummeted. If they'd gone sterile, but would it have, you know, we, we get, we get the impression with that pseudo almost rape scene that the foreman really wants it, but he just can't do it. He can't, he can't deliver. He can't deliver. This is a Viagra ad right there, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he can't deliver. Would that be true if he'd been doing this to women? Would it have gotten away with it that they wouldn't have noticed? Particularly if you're hiring women over 40 who'd be postmenopausal. Or many of them would be postmenopausal. Uh, many of them, not all, but a number of them would be. So, eh, I don't know. This, this is definitely a. This is definitely. It's an a, episode. Uh, it's an episode with a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. Disturbing. It's a disturbing episode, which I think is what Doomwatch is all about. Yeah. 
No, I don't know that I have anything else. I really don't have much of anything else. I mean, those, well, you covered a lot in the synopsis, but at the same time, I mean, lots of, lots of weird story points and ideas, but initially it, it, or ultimately all comes down to nothing more than just conjecture. Lots of conjecture. Lots of conjecture. Yeah. But, but a nasty business. Yeah. A nasty business. I wonder what other weird weapons the British army was trying to concoct. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in that good that question. weapons lab <laughs> good question all right well in that case let's see what we've got um so that is uh the last episode of season one that we have there are two more episodes that exist no more hear no evil those are lost and survival code and um i almost hate to say it but uh, picking up series two, the next episode would be You Killed Toby Wren. Oh, no. What a title. Spoilers. <laughs> what a horrible title. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, sure thing. And listeners, do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. It's like the most spoilerific title ever. <laughs> 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 <laughs>